Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free. Welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we are going to discuss why you need to look at your chips. Welcome, mm. Carly. Well, thank you, Miles. Looking at chips, I mean, that's kind of obvious and hard to miss, so I'm very curious to see why you think we need to tell our listeners to look at their chips. Well, the simple answer is they're spending way too much time looking at the part, and maybe they're actually spending a little time looking at their tool and insert. Nobody's looking at the chips. Okay, I know each time we've toured a shop, when you first thing you look at, are the chip containers by the machine. You even look at that before the setup or the cut. What are you looking at? I look in the chip containers because the chips are actually what our machinists make. The parts aren't really what we make. They're an artifact of our process of making and removing the chips. So to answer your question, uh, too long, don't read, uh, I see lots of things. First, I see the chips themselves. Their form, their color can tell me what the material is being cut. For example, cast irons result in a long, rolled up needle type chip and it's pretty dark. Some stainless materials remain bright and ductile with no sign of any heat or color in the chip. And some steels show a great discoloration and if they're a loose or a elemental type of chip, that's a technical term means they look like sixes or nines. And if they have coloration from heat, I can pretty much guess that they're 1215 or 12L14 and the shop knows what they're doing. So just by looking, you can tell the material grade? Well, it's not a lab analysis, but yes, most folks that have been paying attention can tell the difference between the materials by just looking at the chips, at least by type. You can tell the difference between chips from stainless or aluminum, iron, plain carbon versus resulfurized steel. That is very cool. All right, what else do you see? Well, so that's the chip itself, but the chip is actually a proxy for the process. So as I said before, I'm looking for evidence of heat in the chip. If the shop understands the process, they're putting the heat into the chip, not in the workpiece. If the chips look cold, if they don't have any discoloration, they don't have any oxidation from the high temperature, then I suspect that the shop can probably make improvements to that machining operation by increasing speed to put in more heat, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's so cool, who knew? <laughs> exactly. The old timers that started running manual equipment knew the way they knew was they could feel the heat in the chip when the chips jumped out and went down their shirt collar. <laughs> that way of learning is no longer practical due to OSHA requirements for adequate guarding and closures and modern coolant delivery systems, but there is a lot of experience in our industry that learned with the old hot chip down the collar trick. Yikes, I don't think I'd wanna learn that way. I think I'd rather listen to this podcast and learn. So. There's got to be more. Is there more to see? Because you've already tried to figure out the material, and you think you have an idea about the efficiency of their cutting operation. 
Well, there's, there's an awful lot more, Carly. I look at the chips and I look at their different sizes. I first want to see if there's a distinct spiral chip from the cutoff tool. The cutoff tool is the tool that separates the finished part from the bar. And to do that, that tool makes a groove. So I'm looking for, did you ever open a can with a key? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and you make that round, it looks yeah. like a flat spiral. I'm looking for that. If I see that off the cutting tool, that gives me a great indication about the quality of the machinability of my steel because the cutoff tool sees the entire cross section from the surface OD through the mid radius all the way to the center. If I've got a good chip from the cutoff tool, it's probably not a material problem that this customer is worried about. So why do you look for that? I mean, all the parts get cut off, right? Right, that cutoff tools, like I said, it sees the entire cross section of the bar. If, if they're using a cutoff tool and there's nothing unexpected going on with the chips from the cutoff, and if they're complaining that my steel won't cut, well, it cuts just fine, whether at the surface, mid-radius, or center for the cutoff tool. So let's see what might be going on where you're experiencing the problem. The cutoff tool is kind of like my proof test. And if I've got a good cutoff chip, I know to look at the customer's process. Okay, so you've just looked at the chips and you think that you know the material, the efficiency of the process, what kind of problems might they might have, whether they know about it or not. And now you can exonerate the material performance by looking at the chip from one operation. Well, that's just crazy. It sounds like magic, actually. Do you have any more? <laughs> well, I, I do. So, uh, and I, I should have mentioned, not everybody uses a cutoff tool. Some people use a cutoff saw. So if I see a lot of little tiny chips from a cutoff saw and I don't see that spiral, I haven't even looked at the tool, inside the machine tool, but I have a suspicion about their process, how they've got it tooled up. So yeah, there's an awful lot going on in this chip bucket. Remind you, we're still in the chip bucket. Still right? in the chip bucket. So I'm looking now for wide chips. If I see chips that are real wide, like like ribbon, you know how ribbon comes in different widths. Mm -hmm. If I see chips with different widths, those come off the form tool. So the form tool is OD. So now I have a sense of what the part's gonna look like because there's this inch long or three quarter inch long or half inch long or three eighths inch long chip, wide actually, wide chip. So I know that on this part, there's gonna be an area that's a different diameter about that, that length or, or width. So a lot of long chips off of the form tool tells me the OD work is a major part on this tool. It gives me an idea of surface speeds and it gives me a picture of the part shape. So, so I haven't looked at the part yet, haven't looked at the print, but I know there's gonna be some steps and there's some long areas. And, and then if I've got a lot of thin little chips too, I know there's gonna be some grooves and we haven't even talked about drilling. We'll save that for another podcast. This is so bizarre. It's like you have x-ray vision, except you're just using your eyes. 
You know, it is kind of a superpower, except it's one that everybody can do. We've all got our eyes to see. I like to think of it like order of operations in algebra. In, in manufacturing, we, we also call it standard work. I have a process to look at the chips before I look at the process. The chips are the real output of our work. The parts that the folks in the front office sell, those parts are just the artifacts left over after we remove the chips. That is just, it's amazing. I'm just, I, I never looked at it that way, but you're right. And I also know you, Miles, and you aren't giving our listeners just the secret to seeing chips. There, there's a reason behind it. So I know you always insist on giving our folks tools they can use. So what are they supposed to take away from this? Well, the idea that the chips are our real work product, welcome to red pill world of miles. But the, the, the tool that they can use is, this is a way to better understand their process and their work. When I used to manage a cold drawn steel mill, I could be in the office and I could listen to the crane travel. The crane would travel the length of the mill. Yeah. Scale was at one end, the mill was at the other. Every time it made that traverse, I knew it had two bundles because Craneman doesn't want to walk all that way twice as much, right? right? So I knew behaviorally every crane traverse was two bundles. I scheduled the mill so I knew what the bundle size was. So every time the train crane traveled, I knew what my scale weight was. I mean within a couple right. hundred pounds, right? Mm -hmm. So I knew what our production was. And by the way, if I didn't hear the crane move every 12 minutes or 14 minutes or whatever, uh, I knew it probably ought to Something get out of the office <laughs> and go help my team solve their problem, right? Mm -hmm. In our machine shops, you don't have to listen to the crane for production. You can look in the chip bucket and diagnose what's going on behind the doors and under the coolant. So I, and, and by the way, my scalemen, they thought it was witchcraft. They had no idea how I could come out of the <laughs> office and know that we were at, you know, 10% over incentive or 10% under incentive and what the heck are they gonna do about it? And how do you know? You didn't even look at the scale tickets yet. Hey, guess what? I can count. Right? <laughs> so looking, looking carefully at the evidence of our true process is the way that our shop supervisors, our lead men, our engineers, um, and our operators can really get feedback about our process. They can get diagnostics, evidence to address the opportunities for continuous improvement, evidence to support their concerns. Okay, now that's something our listeners can use, and they can all start working on their degree in chipology. I think you just created that, by the way. <laughs> and come to think of it, you're going to present a class on this, a session on this, uh, how to read a chip at our tech conference in Milwaukee this year. Right, and I better get started because I don't have any chips, but I got all these images in my head. So <laughs> People, uh, send them chips. Yeah, we've, we're going to get into that in just a minute, uh, a possible way for people to do that. So chips are really the testimony. They're the voice of our machining processes. The chips can tell us a lot about the material, the process, the tools, 
and the parts. I'd like to give our listeners one more chip tip <laughs> to work on. I think that the experienced machinists may already do this, but they may not actually be aware of how they're doing it in their practice. And if the new hands can learn only one thing, if there's only one thing to be a better machinist, I think it's going to be this upcoming chip tip. All right, let's hear it. Audience, after you insert a new tool, what I'd like you to do is capture a small amount of chips coming off that brand new tool. Save them in a paper cup or a plastic bag, label them as first chips and maybe the name of the tool. Run your process and then after about 50% of your expected tool life, capture a few more chips. Then go ahead and do the same at 80% of your expected tool life. If you look closely at these chips from the beginning to the middle to this 80%, you should see some changes in the chip in its character. It could be less smooth. There could be evidence of roughness as the buildup edge kind of gets captured on the chip and, and, and comes off the tool at irregular intervals. The chips can be more smooth when their tool's first new and then jagged along one of the edges. There can be evidence of more heat or a color change. There's a lot of things. The folks in the shop are the experts. I'm just a visitor to their world, but I've kept my eyes open to see. And these are the things that I look for, and I'm sure they could add to that list and do that. Now, I'm not saying that you should take it to 90 to 95% tool life because I don't want to be responsible for the next setup because you're wrecked. But at some point, a careful observer is going to see a change in the chip that says, change the tool now or be prepared to have some serious downtime because that tool is going to fail on the next cut. That is the lesson that everyone operating a machine in our shops needs to master. What is the sign on the chip that says, stop and change me now? We don't have to wait for the diaper to smell to change the diaper. <laughs> well, I can't believe we just did a tutorial on how to look at chips in a shop on an audio podcast. No video. And it was a master class to boot. <laughs> how about that? I'm yeah. impressed. And, and we got to talk about changing diapers too. I, so. Yeah, there's an image that it's going to get stuck. Yeah, or, or <laughs> removed from, by Joe's editing. <laughs> Carly, every day is test day at PMPA. Chips are honest witnesses. Chips don't have a personal agenda. They don't need to cover for anybody. They aren't playing politics in the, in the front office. The chips just tell you what they have been through in your process. Chips are the voice of our process. Are you listening? I would get called in to deal with claims that your steel doesn't machine. You gave us bad steel. But the chip bucket said that the steel's cutoff chips and the form tools machine just fine. So now let's take a look at those drills. It was your secret weapon, your anti-rejected steel defense mechanism. Thanks for sharing, Miles. This is a good one. And that wraps up today's podcast on Look at Your Chips. Thank you for joining us. 
For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can also search for articles, webinars, more of these podcasts, and other resources. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because you don't want to miss one. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all that we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because we are better together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.